Hi, I'm Amanda Pashuko. This is She Love. Hello, it's Davida. I'm Gina Lovato. Hey, it's Alana Dunn. I'm Caitlin Bailey. This is Melissa Novak. It's Sean Jacobson. Hey, it's Bethany Nicole. And welcome to Sex Party. And welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. <laughs> Sex Party with your host, Dustin Rivka. Welcome to Sex Party. I'm your host, Dustin Ribka. Boy, oh boy, you guys are in for a treat this week. My guest, Jackie Somerville, she's a best-selling author. She is a passion coach. She's an OnlyFans creator. You guys are going to leave this episode with so much value uh, and so much fun. You're going to be on the edge of your seat when she tells this story it's an amazing episode, one of the most valuable that we've done all season. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jackie Somerville. This week's conversation. conversation. Jackie Somerville, welcome to Sex Party. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Dustin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm actually... I've, I've really been looking forward to this one. Um, we had something scheduled at some point, uh, I want to say in November. It could have been October. I don't know. I've sort of been in this vortex of time and space that doesn't exist. Uh, I'm kind of in my own, you know, need to change my sweatshirt. Um, what are these crumbs sort of place? But I know, <laughs> I know the whole time. Um, I saw you on the calendar. Then stuff got moved, whatever. And then you, you know, I reached out again, and you're back on the calendar. I'm like, yes, because I think that this is going to be a really, really fun one. Um, Good. Yeah, and I have, I, I have really crisp intuition. So, you know, uh, everybody, please hold me accountable. Um, for those people who are listening, maybe they're watching on YouTube. We love YouTube, and they don't know who you are. They don't know what you do. Could you talk a little bit about who you are and, and what it is that you do? Sure. I'm a, I'm a best-selling author and I've done a lot of coaching before and uh, just you know, created content as a result of that and ended up having a, a really crazy viral reel, many, many millions of views on TikTok, which led to hundreds of thousands of followers and many millions more views on other videos. And uh, then I got banned from TikTok. Um, but you know, when it, when it really took off, uh, I was doing some videos with my best friend. He lives down in Mexico city and, uh, we were just making some fun content together. And, uh, he said, you know, you got to monetize this. And I knew that it wasn't the same lines as what I was, you know, it wasn't about selling coaching or anything. These were just fun videos of me kind of dropping my skirt in, in public places, just, Nothing terribly risque, but just kind of fun. And, uh, and they, the videos really took off or just walking with my ass, you know, the, the camera on my ass and stuff like that. And people seem to love it. So, uh, and, and so many guys said to me, do you have OnlyFans? And at the time, I didn't even know what it was. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. I had a suspicion, but, uh, and my, my friend was sort of egging me on and he's like, you got to do it. I mean, there's millions of people looking at your stuff, right? And uh, so I started with OnlyFans, and it was just sort of lingerie and telling stories. I am a storyteller. I love to write. I love to. I've I've done a one woman show before, uh, which was uh, about love and sex, and uh, and a particular love story in my life uh, that was life changing sexually for me. 
And um, so, you know, it wasn't too far-fetched to go on there and in lingerie tell stories, but then it evolved. And then now it's nudity and, and a lot more sort of explicit than it was. And, um, you know, who know where, who knows where it leads, but I have fun with it. And, uh, and I also had a, a, a YouTube post of mine that went a little crazy called How, why I prefer younger men. And there's this big thing that older women, younger men, it's, it's becoming more and more of a known phenomenon. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's really intriguing to see that the hundreds of thousands of views come from uh, guys basically putting in the search that, that they're a younger guy looking for an older woman or whatever. And it's, it's all from the search engine, and that's what they're looking for. So it's really fascinating. So I'm doing more stories along those lines. And now I have, you know, 140-odd thousand f- um, followers on Instagram because I just started really focusing on Instagram after they banned my TikTok. And, you know, trying, obviously I stay within the, the terms and conditions and, and, and whatever, I follow it all, but, um, you know, you just never know. So, uh, yeah, so I utilize Instagram mostly and I've got a lot of followers on Facebook, Facebook fan page as well. And so that's what happened. This kind of took off. Well, that's fucking amazing. Uh, there's so <laughs> many different things I want to ask you. I'm trying not to. Uh, ask seven questions at once, but we'll, we'll get to all seven, you know? Um, so you said you had a relationship that changed you, that evolved you, uh, sexually. Can you talk about that first? Cause I feel like that's, to me, I feel like we, we all have a relationship like that or want to, right. Uh, yeah. at some point in our lives. And I think people don't put enough, stock in that they don't think back to those days or recall or pull from that enough so i'd love to hear that story of the relationship that really changed you and evolved you sexually yeah i mean it was a sexual reawakening really because i was um 46 and he was 29 and uh he was just this extremely confident uh guy who picked me up in a grocery store and uh, we dated for six months, and then we got married in Las Vegas in the Graceland Chapel. Elvis walked me down the aisle. And uh, the whole thing was just really extraordinary. But sexually, he, uh, it was his confidence and his complete openness and just always asking for what he wanted and just coming for it. And... I mean, I'm talking about a guy who already knew that I loved him, for goodness sake, we were together. It wasn't as though he was doing something that I didn't approve of. Um, but he was very dominant uh, sexually. And I don't mean BDSM or anything like that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we, we didn't really uh, do that other than very mild sort of ex- uh, fun stuff. But um, just very very confident, very dominant. And in my work with women, and I've done lots and lots of, of, of coaching, uh, spent many years coaching women and some men, but mostly women and helping them with their love lives, with their sex lives and so on. So many women are missing passion. Oh my God. And when they hear my story and how passionate it was that I just wanted him, like it was just such a burning desire. And vice versa. From the very first day, I'll tell you what happened on, on the day that we met. But, um, 
I do find that this, this sort of passion and lust is such a beautiful thing. And so many people are missing it and they really feel like they're missing it. And in the mainstream therapists and coaches and stuff, I see so many people saying, don't look for passion. That's, that's such a, a, a thing that will only last for a brief time. And then you've got to deal with the real, you know, life and now and all this nonsense. And I'm like, Oh Lord, that's if you came to this life to live a safe, secure, quiet, little tiptoe existence. I'm not about that. Having this extremely passionate relationship just ignited this fire in me. And, um, I don't know if you've ever read Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Um, or know I'm, of it. I'm familiar. Yeah. I have not read it. There's a chapter in there called Sex Transmutation where he talks about the, the fact that the number one human desire is the desire for sex and that it is so uh, that we can utilize that desire to actually improve our performance, as it were, or our um, progress in other areas of our life to tap in to our potential. And I was so fascinated by that. And I realized that, that when I was with my beautiful man, I call him, I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and be so in love and in lust and have this, this, this feeling just flooding my body of, of desire and of potential that I could do anything. It just made me feel so invincible to be that in love and in lust with somebody. I experienced what Napoleon Hill was talking about. And what I would do is instead of waking him up and, you know, having sex right there and then, I would channel that desire and go and sit in my favorite chair by the fireplace, drink a beautiful espresso and write like a fiend. And I wrote a best-selling book in five weeks from cover to cover because I was high on love and lust. And this is a beautiful thing that why should we not seek this out? And whether it lasts or not, I don't think is the be all and end all of, of existence making something last forever. If something can change your life, it doesn't have to last forever. And um, so I really think that it is something to help people aspire to and say yes to. And so it changed my life in that way in that I became extremely productive as an author and as a speaker and, and all of the things that I was uh, up to at the time. And um, yeah, it just essentially... I, my confidence just increased. I mean, it's funny to say when I was the one who was 46 and he was 29, but my confidence just skyrocketed because he would always say things like, you know, you're, oh my God, you're the sexiest woman on earth. You're so fit as fuck. And you're just, you know, he would say things that I would just like, oh my God. And I just want him. And, um, the power of a true compliment, mm. uh, I think. And you've got to be confident in order to compliment somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, especially because you can't expect it in return and it has to be from the heart and you, you can only do that if you're confident. And he was all that. And so he made me feel so great about my body, so great about everything about me, uh, that, that made me better in bed. I mm -hmm. became a way better lover. I was really a bad lover before <laughs> because I was so focused on what was wrong with me. And you can't, you can't be a great lover if you're focused on you and all your faults, because then it's not about the other person. And how can you possibly let go? And so all for all those reasons, I don't know if I've articulated it well enough, 
it was truly life-changing. Yeah, I think you articulated it pretty goddamn good. Um, that That is like one of the most beautiful things that has been said on the show. And there's been very, 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 uh, uh, or I should say many, geez, I blew it there. Uh, many beautiful things said on the show. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, you got me, I'm in. The audience is on the edge of their seats. Um, the first thing that I want to ask, right, is... Up until that point in your life, did you just assume that you had like, oh, that's it. Like I, I've been with these these lovers and it was just this way and that's as good as it gets. And then this guy comes along and changes that. I mean, what what did it feel like to have your whole understanding of love and sex and what sex could do just completely shatter what you thought was was reality, really? Yeah, it's a good question. I uh, have never really thought about it before, but um, I suppose I did kind of think that what I had experienced was the norm up until then. And that uh, I didn't really know what I was missing until he introduced me to it. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating how the people who watch my show, read my books, or listen to my stories uh, suddenly realize that passion is missing in their lives and they want to know how to get it. And um, so I think not everybody realizes until they hear a story like this, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's actually missing in my life and I would like that. Um, sex I, I wrote, a, um, in fact, the whole speech that I give is called Life is Too Short for Boring Sex and Other Passionless Pursuits because I have realized that that is the case because there was nothing boring. I think sex had been pretty boring up until then. Not, obviously, not with all the <laughs> – I don't want to diss the, the men that I have loved sure. before that. But um, – but it was kind of the, there wasn't anything to write home about or to write about uh, per se. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it uh, it was uh, truly truly extraordinary, and I didn't know that it could be that good. Yeah, see, and that's and and that combined with what you said about the power of a genuine, confident compliment. I mean, man, people want to talk about you know seducing someone or. Uh, maybe not even having that as your goal, but like there is something to that, to, to really looking at someone with your, your heart, your eyes, your cock, what all of it at once. And just, you just don't care if you're not, you're not doing it to get a compliment back. You're just pouring this out of you because it has to come out. Right. Yeah. That, that is some shit. That is some good shit. I, I mean, I, yes. There's been many times, you know, where you just feel something about about your, your partner, and you're like, oh, "I gotta," it just comes out, right? Um, and sometimes you try to articulate it better, um, and other times it just comes out. But but either way, it stops that person in their tracks, and that is like a power that I just don't think that we even understand. So I love that you said that. I want to ask. Um, what was this? Okay. So this, this man is, 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 is giving you the sex of your life and you're in the next room, like writing, writing a cover to cover in five weeks. What was the book about? What did it, what was flowing out of you from this uh, empowerment from, from this great 
love and sex. Yeah, so the book was about, uh, it's called My Scandalous Little Rule Book, and it's, it's sort of rules for a uh, sort of living um, a, a life that's not ordinary, shall we say. And, uh, so this was, this, what I was experiencing with a man 17 years younger than me and, uh, all that, that was going on with us was definitely in kind of, you know, sync with what I was writing about. And the book had been on my mind. I'd been trying to write because I'm a personal development junkie. I've been studying it and studying with all of the, the gurus, uh, for, for many, many years, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my education in psychology and, um, personal development and so on. I'm fascinated by that stuff. And I got to the point where I knew so much and had my own stories to tell that I was ready to write my own book, but I was stuck until this fiery thing just happened. This passion ignited, uh, this sort of progress and potential came out of me. Um, so yeah, I could just let rip and write on all of those things on what I think constitutes a great life and how to let go of the fear and the holding back from living an exciting life. I think uh, my entire life has been about, uh, I've had this when I was even, I think in my teens, I said that my dream was ultimately to be like a 90 something year old woman sitting on a plane next to a younger person. And they ask me about my life and I tell them and their response is, wow. Mm. I, that, that has been a sort of a driving factor for me. It's never been about how can I be safe? How can I be super secure? How can I be with one person for uh, 60 years? Those haven't been the driving factors rightly or wrongly of my life. And, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's what I wanted to write about is how do you get to the end of your days exhausted, having tried everything you wanted to try and going, man, I lived all out. I did it. I lived all out. I didn't leave a stone unturned. And uh, I already, you know, if I was to pop off tomorrow, I, I, I feel that way. I, I've really, you know, experimented wildly and, and, and had an amazing life. And I, you know, obviously hope to for, for a long, long time. But um, that was the driving factor behind the book. And, and he was the ignition that I needed. So you had this idea, but you just couldn't get started or you couldn't stay with it because you just didn't have that passion or like the answers really that you, there wasn't like a, like it was almost like you had the vehicle, but there was no fuel. And then here comes this guy and boom, right? Exactly. It was the ultimate inspiration and how Napoleon Hill explains it in that chapter of Think and Grow Rich is that it's this incredible energy that you get from love and passion. And when you can combine the, you know, the desire for sex, uh, love and romance together, it's especially powerful, mm. uh, to prove, to bring out your highest potential. And so that's what I experienced was that I felt so high on life uh, and so high on the love and lust that I could achieve anything. And it was the most extraordinary, uh, powerful, beautiful feeling. Uh, and I'm just really glad that I had a project to channel it into, that mm -hmm. I actually achieved something um, concrete, as it were, material uh, from it. 
in that moment as well, that I didn't let that incredible energy go to waste. Yeah. So, what, what a shame that would have been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about let's, you know, and, and you know how it is out here. There's, there's people who have probably made the decisions that felt safe, right? Like, Oh, let's marry the fucking high school idiot. Right. Or, or whatever. And like, yeah. Oh, I guess. Cause there's, I'm not feeling any passion. I guess I'll have some kids. Right. And so now they're, they're 46. They've got three kids. They, they, and they feel like, Oh shit. I kind of like, I feel like those are the kind of people who really, when it comes to regret and, you know, looking back on your path in life and being like, Oh, I could have done this. I should have done it. Like whatever. That is like the, the worst kind of poison, I think. And I, I was always, terrified of that you know when i was growing up um i was always the one that's like i don't want to live in a normal house i want to live in an old factory that's been remodeled or in a glass top or whatever you know and everyone's like you're crazy or whatever and so i dealt with that and i was like i don't really i don't want children because i just I, I want to have more adventure and like you know so so i've been dealing with that and have made decisions that have have been based out of that and i am so glad that i have Right. Because I see a lot of uh, a lot of my peers, which I will not name their names, <laughs> but there's quite a few of them that are divorced and that have a bunch of kids, which they love. But I'm sure if they could do it all over again, they might rearrange the timing in which they had <laughs> these children. Right. To yeah. say the least. Um, and so how would you advise someone, you know, someone who's 46 and feels like it's over? but also like someone who's young and hasn't made bad decisions yet. Like what did you tangibly learn about living a life that's yours on your own term with good sex and adventure and travel and good wine or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I think there aren't any mistakes unless you hurt somebody else or do something that uh, could hurt somebody else or kill somebody else. I think that if your life is just uh, different and you make things that people construe to be mistakes because you don't follow a set path, I don't think those are mistakes. And I, I love what you said about you wanting to live in, in some you know fantastic home. Why the heck not? Why are all these little boxes look all the same? Like, what is the deal with us? We get so ingrained in the habitual things that, that society has sort of planned out for us. Uh, there is a uh, this phrase that I live by that I teach others, which is be responsible, not sensible. Mm. And this is very important. A responsible life will keep you safe and will keep uh, others safe and those who you need to take care of safe. But a sensible life is a boring life and one that will lead to regret. So I always give the example of... Um, uh, let's say you're responsible, a responsible thing is to, if you've got kids, you've got to take care of them. You've got to look after them and, um, and you've got to make them a priority, right? But maybe go on some dating apps and, and date younger guys than what you've been used to. Mm. I think that's a wonderful thing for a woman in her forties and fifties, because a lot of the time a woman going uh, in her forties is just starting to to really get super horny if she wasn't before. 
And I have my theories about why that happens. Um, not scientific by any means. <laughs> but uh, um, I do think that that, that, is a, that beautiful 40-something horniness is a terrible thing to waste. So if you are – and if you're and, – and also, if you're married or in a relationship and it's getting boring – do what you need to do to fix that. Don't be resigned to it. And obviously it takes two. If the other partner is not interested in doing anything about it, well, then you've got to think about what do you want for your future going forward. But when you do find somebody who you love and care deeply about uh, and, and you have had a lot of fun with in the past, I do think that stuff is worth fighting for, actually. And I, I love to help people save their uh, marriages or relationships, even if there's been infidelity or things that they ordinarily might just throw in the towel from. Because I, I really do believe that great love is worth saving and that you can rekindle things if you both you know, decide to work on it and to focus on it and to do whatever you need to do. Uh, to do that. So, um, yeah, be responsible, not sensible and, uh, have some fun. If you're a single, get on the apps and for God's sake, don't buy into the crazy stories that everybody tells out there. Oh, there's no good men. There's no decent women. They're all gold diggers. The men are this, the women are that. There's no men in my city. Everybody online is a loser. It is so crazy. The stories that becomes your self-fulfilling prophecy. Do mm. not buy into any of it. Uh, I have met some extraordinary, in fact, my love, um, he doesn't like me to say this, that I met him online, but I did. And, um, and I have helped numerous women uh, meet their, their, their person, their current person, uh, through apps. So for every disaster, there is a good story. And why can't you be the good story? Uh, and so one has to open, open one's mind. I mean, my beautiful man, I said, I met him in a grocery store. And you talk about uh, the power of a compliment because he said to me that day, as I was selecting some cheeses, he was kind of looking at me out the corner of his eye. And then he said, you're very beautiful. And I didn't quite hear him because I, I thought, what did he say? And was he talking to me? <laughs> because I looked up at him and he looked like 22 if he was a day. I mean, he looked so young. And I was like, uh, I beg your pardon. He said it again. And I was like, oh, thanks. And it was so cute to hear him tell the story later because he said, he said, I had to get up all the courage to say it the first time. And then she asked me to say it again. <laughs> Poor guy. No, that's um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he said it in a very sweet way. And I know in this day and age, it's very difficult, especially for guys who are afraid of being accused of harassing somebody or coming on too strong or, you know, all the things that guys can be accused of uh, in, in this environment. But um, I think you can just to go into something with a sweetness and with zero expectations. This is the other big one. I teach people, Dustin, who are looking to date high standards or standards of your own. They don't have to be high by anyone else's. They're just your standards, clear standards of your own and zero expectations because the standards are yours. The expectations are about the other person and you have no control over that. So for example, you could have a standard of, I don't date, date a smoker. Well, you could, you know, start chatting with a guy who happens to smoke. Your expectation of him not doesn't smoke, that he doesn't smoke doesn't change the fact that he does. 
And so you then say, well, this was a great meeting, not for me, right? Who's next? Instead, everybody's like, oh, they, they get all their expectations up of somebody and, and, oh, maybe this is the one, or maybe I'm going to meet somebody great tonight. And no, I'm going to go out and have fun, see where life leads me. And, and my standards are intact and my expectations are letting life show me whatever. I don't have expectations of the person. They get to show me who they are and I get to decide whether that's something I want to pursue or not. Quite simple. And um, expectations will, will really kill the dating experience and just yeah. go out there and have some fun. Yeah. I mean, that's really fascinating too, because even myself, uh, you know, I, I, I had a type, right. For a long time. And uh, if someone, I mean, listen, good, good looking and charming is good looking and charming. It doesn't matter what her hair color is. Right. Um, and for me, because I had this type and it was like, uh, you know, dark hair, the darker the hair, the more I'm interested kind of, kind of, kind of vibe, you know, with, with women, you know, you, you almost, and I had dated a lot of women who looked like that. You almost paint yourself into a corner when you go into a place, right? Because, or wherever, the grocery store, the fucking bar, um, uh, you're speed dating at your local tavern, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you have these, you know, preconceived, this is what she's going to look like. This is what my chick this is what my girl's going to, right? Like I was smart enough. I'll give myself that credit to just be open to the idea that, um, that gorgeous is gorgeous and smart is smart. And it doesn't matter what package it comes. I mean, I live with the blonde. So, so, so here we, so here we are, right. I've never been more in love my whole life. And so if I, if I would have folded to that initial thing, like you said, with the expectation of it has to be, you know, jet black hair and, you know, whatever mysterious and whatever. Yeah. Well, even the expectation that the stage is going to go somewhere mm -hmm. or that it's going to be great or it's going to be lead to something like that mm -hmm. expectation must go. It must be like, I just, I'm just going to meet a stranger, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I preach all the time and who the fuck am I? Just some podcast guy. Right. But I preach all, <laughs> I preach all the time about how if you're a dude and you're going to go on a date, right. Don't, don't take condoms. Don't do not take like, do leave like purposely leave the condoms at home. Right. Go and go with the expectation of learning as much as you can about this person and enjoying yourself. That's it. Right. Yeah. I would even suggest in most cases, unless it's like real deal, if she invites you in, say not this time. Right. Cause then you kind of turn the tables and whatever. And I mean, do it if you want, but I, that's what I always suggest. At least have that mindset of I'm not going in. I'm not taking condoms. This is just drinks and getting to know somebody. And that's going to be a fucking blast. Right. And yeah. so like, I think that's good advice. I think that's good advice. It's setting an intention uh, or not setting an intention for something that maybe is best, you know, saved for later or something. Yeah. I think, yeah, intentions are important. Yeah. I mean, and, and from there, you can only be surprised either way, a bad surprise, a good surprise, but like you're in control. You're only there to have, have some cocktails and maybe some dinner or whatever you decided to do. I also yeah. always advise the first date not be dinner because dinner is such an intimate thing, I think, but whatever we, I'm not going to give dating tips. This is your episode, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, can you tell me 
like the story of when this guy approached you when you were selecting cheeses. I would love to hear the entire thing. Yeah, it's so romantic. And I, you know, this is all in my show and books and stuff, but he, um, yeah, he said, you're very beautiful. And, and then I sort of blushed and, and walked off down the aisle and coming back up the next uh, aisle with my trolley. And he's there smiling at me as I come up and he goes, how are you? And I said, I'm great now that you just made my day. Thanks. And uh, off I went. And I was in the produce department when he came to find me. And uh, he comes sort of swooping down and he sticks out his hand and he introduces himself. And he looks at my left hand and he said, I see you're not married. And I was like, no, but I'm thinking, uh, you're crazy. I don't even know you. And, you know, at that point, his true nature started to show this super confident, cocky guy, which could put some women off. A, a lot of women, myself very much included, uh, the number one thing that we find attractive in a man is confidence. You know, there's a line from that bad movie, The Tourist, which I wrote <laughs> it down because I love the line so much where I think it's Angelina Jolie says, uh, women don't like questions. And I wrote that down because it really, I was like, yeah, this is great dating advice. Uh, women like a man who's decisive. He shows me that he's a masculine man, that he takes control of his life and, 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 you know, is organized and, you know, gets down to whatever he wants and, and moves towards it. It shows me a lot about a person and I'm attracted to a masculine man as are a lot of women and uh, certainly women that I've worked for with, I mean, and they want the man to make a decision. So don't just say, oh, well, what do you want to do? Or, you know, so you want to go out sometime? What kind of, that, that immediately I'm like, uh, yeah, move on. I want a man who can make a decision. Thank you. You know, it's like you want a masculine man. And so, um, so that's a first sign for me. And of course, guys have to be pretty smart in how they do that kind of thing in, the, in, in this current environment. But, uh, you know, people can be smart about it. And so he was like, oh, my God, I see you're not married. And I'm like, yeah, and what's the deal with you? Like, you're crazy. <laughs> and then he just took off again. And he had this energy and this, this effervescence that was so noticeable that I was like, damn, who is this man? And why am I being, you know, introduced to him in my life right now? Because I believe in uh, divine spirit and I, I believe there are no coincidences. That's how I live my life. So I was like. I'm obviously meant to meet this person, but I didn't jump to conclusions as to why I was kind of open to that. And, uh, and I was uh, checking out uh, of the store when uh, I waved goodbye at, to him and I knew that he was going to find a way to stay connected with me. I just knew it. And I thought if he doesn't, I'll probably come back in and give him my business card. But I went out and I'm putting the groceries in my car and he comes running out and he hands me a paper napkin with his name and number written on it in black ink. And he says, call me. And I said, no, I don't call men. And I gave him my business card. I said, but you can call me. And uh, he texted me before I even got home. And um, he said, can I call you when I you know, finish work today? And I said, sure. And he said, hey, do you want to get together and have some fun? And I said, yes, I do. And again, I was sort of not 100% sure what kind of fun. I was sort of naively thinking, I don't know what I was thinking, what are we going to do? I didn't have any video games in the house and there was this <laughs> young guy coming over. 
That's so awesome. <laughs> and uh, I had my, my dog, my beloved dog, God rest his soul. He, uh, Jack Russell, he couldn't be left alone. And so I always, I always had babysitters for my dog. I know it's crazy, but whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and because this was such a spontaneous thing, I didn't have someone arranged to look after my dog. So I said to him, you're going to have to come to my house. And he said, I could do that. And uh, the doorbell rang and I had this pang of anxiety of what am I going to do with this young guy? And I just don't have video games. I don't like, what am I going to do with him? And um, so I, I opened the door and there he, he stood in all his glory. He was like six foot three and, um, and just gorgeous and this effervescence. And he just took me in those big arms and he just held me in this hug so intense that it was just like I'd, I'd known him my entire life. And he just didn't let me go. He just held me without saying a word, just held me. And I just remember like, completely surrendering, going, whatever this is, I'm up for it. Like, mm -hmm. it is friggin' unbelievable, this magnetism and this true chemical reaction. Like, that was chemistry at its finest. And, uh, so I taught, you know, eventually when the hug ended, I walked into my home, uh, through the door and I, I said, what would you like to drink? I already had a double vodka going to sort of take the edge off, you know? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, he said, well, I don't really drink, but I'll have what you're having. And then he started to tell me about the fact that his grandfather was an alcoholic and, and that's why he didn't, and he didn't like drinking. And from that one phrase kind of poured out his, the story of his life. And we sat there at my counter and I, my jaw was kind of on the floor. I was sort of stunned. And I say in the show that when my questions got too much for him, maybe verging on judgmental, he stood up and he pushed the bar stool back and he put one of those enormous hands under my chin and he lifted me up and he slowly, spectacularly and sensationally kissed me. The best kiss of my life. <laughs> And I was just standing there and he didn't stop there. He said, Jackie, take off your clothes. And I said, no, because I'm looking, the bloody lights are on and I'm thinking to myself, he thinks I'm 35. I really like to keep it that way. <laughs> and I mean, and he says it again. He says, Jackie, take off your clothes. And I was like, mm -mm, I've only just met you for God's sake. And he said it again. He said, Jackie, take off your clothes. We're getting in the pool. And I did it as I was told, and we got in the pool naked, and it was, oh, truly incredible. Uh, the next night he, he came, and uh, I had a dinner party, and I invited him to join me. And uh, that was the night that I, he, he stayed, and he basically didn't leave. We, that was it. Six wow. months later, we were married. Yeah. Six months later, you were, I mean, I, I'm surprised it took that long, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took that long because I'm Canadian and I had to go back to Canada and, and uh, I owned a home in California, but I, I went back, I had to go back to Canada and sort all the, you know, visa stuff out and where I was going to live and I had a home to sell there and yeah, all of that. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And okay. So are you guys still together today? Uh, you know, the, the story of what happened there is, is a story for another time. It's a very dramatic okay. story that I, I tell in my show and stuff. But um, there was a tragic uh, event that happened. And um, and so I am still legally uh, married to him, actually, but um, but not uh, – he doesn't live 
live with me. Okay. Well, yeah. And I, and I have a, a, a love in my life. Um, but yeah, that, that was, it was a very dramatic story and, uh, quite sad all around, but, um, but you know, I look back on it all with just such love and gratitude that I had that experience. Yeah, I mean, you could really, really tell. I mean, it's it's in every word, and if you're watching this on YouTube, it's in every movement. Um, if you're listening, do not stop listening and go to YouTube. Wait until you're done, then go watch it again on YouTube. Jeez, I have to instruct them. Sometimes they like to leave. Just hang out. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but you can, and and I'm sorry to hear that that something happened, and we won't we'll we'll leave it for another time, like you said. Um, but that, what an incredible story. And I think, you know, if someone could have one love and experience like that in their life, it does change everything. I mean, I resonated with so many things that you said. And I think, you know, the uh, the female uh, people in the audience are just like salivating and wondering how they can attract something like that. I mean, you said you do believe in... Well, you're a personal development junkie and you do believe in sort of like a manifestation sort of I'm supposed to be here thing. Like, what do you attribute that meeting to? I mean, deep down in your in your core, do you think that you are exuding some sort of some sort of energy that pulled him in some sort of attraction that attracted him? I mean, what do you attribute it to the, the fact that you two guys met at all? Yeah, I mean, look, I uh, I am always I, I, I'm an open sort of book as it were. I'm, I, I'm an approachable person, I think is the word. And I think so many people have shut down and, and are not approachable when they're out in public. And you can be an approachable uh, person who gives off good vibes and good energy without laying yourself bare and putting yourself in difficult situations or dangerous situations. Those are two different things. And I find that I, I've got really good instincts. The times when I haven't listened to them, uh, you know, at my peril, right? So I've learned to really listen to my instincts and to just tune in and trust. And, um, and you get a feeling about a person. You mentioned this when we first started. Uh, you get a feeling about, about a person and, um, and you've got to trust that. And I think when we work on ourselves, we get to know ourselves, we start to trust ourselves. And people always say to me, how do I trust a, another person? How do I trust a man? Or how do I trust a woman in a relationship? My answer is always, you don't. You trust yourself. You trust yourself to make a good judgment about who you let into your life. And if you screw up, you trust yourself that you're going to be okay no matter what. That's the thing, that you're going to survive it, that you're going to figure it out. Uh, and so it's all about self-trust because your trusty instincts will tell you. And so I don't go through life just smiling at, you know, every homeless person or whatever while I send them all the love in the world and best wishes. I'm not putting myself in a situation where it might be dangerous as a woman walking alone or whatever. Uh, however, in situations like that, when I'm feeling that I'm in a safe environment and that the people around me are generally I'm getting good vibes from them. I am very approachable and I would encourage people to be more approachable in life. Smile more. Do you know the statistic, Dustin, about the fact that men smile? I might be off by one or two here, seven or eight times a day and women smile about 60 
four times a day. Wow. Yeah. This is a statistic that I came across really uh, recently and uh, is truly amazing to me. Uh, and men, I realize why they, maybe they don't, but smiling is such an important thing. Smile more. You don't have to stay grinning at someone like a Cheshire cat so that they feel nervous about you. <laughs> Smile and move on, right? Mm -hmm. You will notice that you become uh, open to compliments and people will feel like they can approach you and let them know that they're interested in you and so on. There is in psychology uh, the old thing of if you stick a pencil in your mouth and it forces your mouth up, that the physical response, that you have a mental and a chemical uh, response to that physical change in your face, mm -hmm. um, that, that creates all sorts of great feelings in you, right? The release of, of serotonin and, and, and all of those amazing chemicals just by the act of smiling. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, I would encourage people who are not feeling great or confident to start smiling more and practice it. I, I smile when I run because especially if I'm running up a hill and I'm like, oh, God, this is so – I force myself to smile. And the people think I'm so weird because I'm running down the street all by myself smiling. <laughs> but, you know, it just helps me to run better. Yeah. And it helps me get up a tough hill. Right. Because what it's doing, it's changing my physiology. It's, it's, it's changing my, my state. And um, so there are so many things we can do to be more attractive and magnetic to other human beings. And it starts with that. Well, I mean, no wonder he approached you in the cheese department. You're standing over <laughs> the thing smiling. <laughs> That's so fucking awesome. But what I mean, what beautiful advice. I mean, you you have just like blown me away in this episode. And so I, I thank you for that. I think it's amazing. But I mean, I'm one of those guys. And even during the pandemic, right, when the fucking masks came off, finally, I went back to that where I would smile, not to be, not to be a creep, right? Not to be like, Hey, you know, you have great tits. It wasn't anything like that. I just am like that. Or so you would, when you'd feel something, you'd walk by, it didn't matter if it was an old woman, some guy, uh, uh, somebody young, it didn't matter. I would smile. And I was so amazed, you know, here in Chicago, like in those early days coming out of the pandemic, how many people did, did just look away really quick because they were uncomfortable. But that one person, doesn't matter who it is, that smiles back at you, it would like blow me back through the toothpaste, you know, in the in the grocery store because you're like, oh, fuck, like we acknowledged each other and then we moved on. So I do think that's incredibly powerful, right? And, you know, yeah. it, it's a really hard time, I think, to be – for people to really – I think there's a lot of sort of like – uh drifting happening i think that people aren't really sure who they are and a lot of it has to do with maybe they don't have any instagram followers maybe they're not hip to who bb rexa is right or maybe they don't know whatever the politics thing is just whatever there's you know covid still kind of kicking around and like so i feel like we're all at this place where it's like it feels like 2019 but it's really 2024 guys i got news for you and it's been five years and so i think a lot of people are sort of lost and dr and drifting i mean are you seeing that with your coaching are you seeing that in the world around you and how would you how would you advise somebody who's just dying 
for affection and sex and love and connection to get out of that drifting phase? Yeah, look, I mean, nobody likes to hear this, but we've got to take responsibility for ourselves and we've got to decide that we no longer want to live that way. And we have to also decide that it is not up to anybody else to get us out of it. I think that's the thing. It doesn't matter to me what's going on in the world, in politics, anywhere. It's what is my, my state, my inner state? What is my mental attitude about things? What story am I giving everything that's happening in my life? And I can wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to be the best I can be today. Or I can wake up in the morning and say, well, this life really sucks, you know, <laughs> and what are you going to do? What's better? And for me, waking up in the morning and going, okay, I'm going to have a great day today. And it doesn't matter what's happening around me. Governments can be doing whatever the hell they do. I don't watch the news. I don't expose myself to any of that stuff. I work on how can I make sure that my life is good because I am responsible for it. And the very first thing that I will tell people is exercise and get outside. This is the biggest thing is that people sit behind a screen all friggin' day. It's so depressing when you see other people's lives and, and, and crap that's not even true. And, um, and you start getting all caught up in, in what's going on in other people's lives and in your country or in the world and all of this. The best thing we can do for the world and for each other is to make the most of ourselves. It is truly the best thing we can do. So, um, it all starts to, for me, you can change your life by, by exercising, by getting out in nature. Even if you live in the city, find a park, find a neighborhood to walk in where there's trees, look at the birds. This stuff is so key to feeling good about yourself. And that's what translates. How you feel about yourself determines your entire life. It determines how many people are attracted to you. It, it determines the quality of your life completely. So what can you do to feel better about yourself? That's your responsibility. And it starts with exercise, changing your attitude, changing your story about all the silly things that you're hearing out in the world. Just don't buy into them. There are so many great people out there. There are people waiting to meet you. You just need to make yourself magnetic so that they show up. And, you know, exercise, checking the stories and the things you're saying to yourself all the time. Make mantras and affirmations. Say them in front of the mirror if you need to. Do what you need to do to change your attitude about life because when you do, it's going to completely change how people respond to you and what starts coming into your life. It's as simple as that. It's when we change ourselves. That's it. That's it. And that no, smiling no. thing and <laughs> whatever, you know, you need to do to build your own confidence because that's what makes you magnetic to others. No, I mean, you are brilliant and I love that. Uh, I love all of this. This is like, I'm like getting goosebumps over here, like hearing the Rocky theme. I had like, yeah, let's fucking <laughs> go. so I can only imagine that they're excited too. And, and, you know, you are someone who is clearly making more than the most out of your life and your situation. I want to hear about the infamous or, or, or famous, uh, however we're class. I mean, you know, TikTok did throw you off, so whatever, but, um, they do that. Uh, I want to hear about this reel that went viral. What made you want to do this? You said you were, uh, you were doing uh, like TikToks and reels where you were like, you know, lifting up your skirt in public or whatever. Like, 
where so with all this passion and energy that that is coming through now in the past hour where are we at when you do you were like okay let's have some fun with this right like what was the vibe like what was the actual reel that like actually took off well i mean first of all you might have gathered i'm a bit of a performer and i'm a storyteller <laughs> of my own stories and i like to live my stories and then tell them and sort of inspire people and make people laugh as a result of that and so um the I was just being myself. The first reel that took off, there were a couple that really went nuts, millions, many millions. And the first one that that went to many millions, I think on TikTok there were like 50 million views of this, oh my God. Uh, was um, I was speaking at a conference uh, in D.C. And um, my friend uh, who I mentioned earlier was uh, was with me. And we were he came because we were going to make videos. We had an intention. Uh, to make videos that week, that weekend. And after I finished speaking, we were going to stay in DC for the weekend and make videos because we just thought, why, you know, I'm, I'm already got some YouTube traction with this one video. Why aren't I doing more? But I didn't exactly know. I thought we would just tell stories and maybe sort of like a podcast kind of thing. So I'm, the, I was finished speaking at the conference. The room has emptied and, um, it's just me and the organizer. And I thought, you know, my friend, Chris, uh, and there were a couple of other women way in the corner. So I felt like it was safe to change out of my satin pants that I had spoken in into some track pants to go across the street. Cause I wanted to get my high heels off and not ruin them and, and to go across to where I was staying with the hotel I was staying. So, uh, I thought, well, I'm not going to go to the bathroom because it's been used all day by the conference attendees. And the floor's dirty. I don't want to put my, you know, thousand dollar pants on the dirty floor <laughs> or whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. Didn't want to ruin oh, yeah. my pants. <laughs> and so I, um, did a quick change in the back, in the back of the conference room. And I didn't know that the whole, that Chris was filming me just for fun. And so I was busy quickly taking off my, my pants and putting my track pants. He's filming me and completely by chance a man who works for the hotel, who's coming to take down the audiovisual stuff or whatever, walks past as I am taking the pants down and I've got a thong on and you just see this man sort of looking and looking away and it's all caught on tape as it were. And that night, Chris is like, let's open a TikTok account and you need to put this on TikTok because TikTok was kind of blowing up at the time, right? And I was like, oh, my God, oh, whatever. And uh, he said, let's just do it. Can't hurt. Because he thought it was so funny. And so we sat there, we opened it. And that same night, my business partner had a, a health like scare, like an aneurysm kind of thing, something that, was, that could kill her, basically. Mm. She was hanging on a death door that all happened. So he had put the thing on TikTok. My mind was totally elsewhere. I was worried about her and her life and was she going to survive? I mean, it was really a life and death situation. So I wasn't thinking about this damn reel on TikTok at all. And he said that he looked and he's like, oh God, nobody's watched it. We wake up in the morning. I'm downstairs in the hotel lobby at five o'clock meditating, you know, praying about her life and hoping that she's making it and meditating on her health and all of that. And, um, He's busy trying to reach me. When I come out of the meditation, he's like, where the hell are you? Oh, my God, there's 250,000 views. And then that day it reached a million. And then it just went millions upon millions upon millions. 
So then the next one that went really nuts was uh, the two of us playing around in a hotel lobby, uh, well, you know, sort of around the side of the lobby. And I have a pencil skirt on and a thong body suit. And just, we were just sort of having fun. And I, and I dropped the skirt. And then he goes, quick, somebody's coming because the elevator door opens. And so I'm like, oh my God. So I pull the skirt back on and run off in my heels. And he's captured the whole thing on video. And so that one has like 14 or 15 million views on um, Instagram. Wow. To this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, so that's that started the whole thing of these fun little reels which then led me to OnlyFans and based on people asking. And it became very lucrative. I got to the top 0.3% of all of OnlyFans. I mean, I really, you know, I'm 58 years old. It's kind of unusual and not normal and strange. And But, hey, it's, it's part of the course of my life. And, uh, and it's been kind of, uh, kind of fun. Who knows where, where I'll go with it. I'm, I'm busy writing a book right now, and, and I'm focused on that, and I'm going to go back to telling stories in a very provocative way, and my erotic versions of the stories will be on OnlyFans, um, more than just sort of prancing around naked or in lingerie. I mean, that's not fulfilling to me ultimately, right? I, there's, sure. there's so much more uh, that I'm all about, and I, you know, yeah. So um, so I'm, I'm going to go more back, back, back to story, but erotic, naughty stories. Yeah, everyone's going to get what they came for. It's just going to be in your way, right? So, yeah, exactly. Um, how long have you been on OnlyFans? Uh, I started in October of 2021. Okay. So, yeah. So, you're coming up on, uh, you just said your two-year anniversary. And I went, you know, I shot up, I shot up to the top 2% that very same week, I think, because of what was happening on TikTok. And then, and then when, when the video went totally viral on Instagram, that's when I shot up to the top 0.3% in the world. Okay. And has, has only, what has your experience been like on OnlyFans? Has it been a positive experience? Has it been weird? Has it been both? Um, oh, it's been a positive experience for sure. Most people are polite, nice. If they're not, I, you know, I just disengage or, um, but I, I rarely have any issues. And, um, yeah, and it's, I've, I think it's an outlet for someone like me who is a bit of an exhibitionist and, and confident, sure. uh, to show my body, um, and feel good about it. And I think it seems to have, inspired a lot of women to feel better about themselves uh as well which i like a lot of people say that uh it gives them confidence and inspires them uh to have confidence when um they see you know how well i've done with it and and that i'm prepared to show all of my body and um and so on um to strangers so it's you know it's not for everybody it's not what i thought i would do but it's been a, a, an interesting uh, experience, and I've gotten naughty and, and evolved uh, over the last two years <laughs> with it. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure that you'll continue to do that, it sounds like. Um, but again, in your own sort of uh, artistic, erotic, thoughtful way, and I think that is, you know, what true artistry is, is, is you know, finding – 
and there's some sort of Warhol quote in here somewhere, I'm sure, but like finding a way to do whatever the fuck it is you want to do, but doing it in a way that's accessible to everyone. And yet you don't have to explain it. It's your thing and, and whatever. Um, and so we, you know, I have a lot of OnlyFans creators on the show, obviously. And, and I, and, you know, we, we do hear, I don't know who we is. It's just me here in this chair, <laughs> but, um, I do have an editor who works her ass off, but you know, I hear a lot about how positive of an experience, if, if OnlyFans is what you want to do, it's generally a positive experience because people are paying to be there. No one's going to spend the $10 to come harass. I mean, maybe, right. But then you can just be like, okay, thanks for the money, buddy. Uh, or, or whatever. It's way more positive than, you know, Instagram or TikTok or whatever with the incels and the trolls and all that nonsense. Right. But, yeah. you know, I asked this question to, to all the OnlyFans creators out there. Let's say there's a woman, uh, it doesn't have to be a woman, but generally let's say there's a woman, um, who's just wants to do the OnlyFans thing, but, um, she's, she's scared. She's nervous. She doesn't want everybody in her fucking town to fucking judge her at the kids' football games and like all the things, right? How would you advise someone like that to just push through the judgment, start the OnlyFans, and just kill it and make a, a basket of cash every week? Yeah, look, I mean, it's not for everybody. And people can find themselves in circumstances where maybe it's not the best decision, right? I, I can't answer it. I don't have children. I, I never wanted children. It's not something I've ever had to face or think about what would be the ramifications. Um, but that's up to each individual. I'm not going to judge anybody. for, for But I think one has to think carefully about these things. Also, if you're the kind of person who's going to want to rely on a corporate job down the road, you need to think about it. Is it going to be thrown in your face and, and, and whatever? But if you're an entrepreneur and you're going to be responsible for bringing in your own money and not, you know, reporting to the man, as it were, uh, then you can do anything, right? And I think that's the beauty of the incredible opportunities that we have in the age that we live in, that um, we don't have to have somebody saying yes or no to us. We approve of you. We tick, you know, we will, we'll accept you. We'll publish your book. We'll, you know, take your show. We'll do this. No, you can just go and do it yourself, which I freaking love. I mean, the opportunities that we have, everybody says, oh, life is so difficult these days. No. Why don't we tell ourselves a different story? that we have opportunity around every corner if we decide to take responsibility and do whatever it is that we truly desire to do and put ourselves out there. And yeah, you've got to sort of gird yourself against the criticism and not let it bother you. Water off a duck's back. I erase comments and um, block people. I have no issue doing that. I have no room in my life for negativity and uh, trolls and anything like that. Just gone. Boom. Done. Uh, and it no longer affects me uh, that it happened, that it even was there in the first place. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's hard for me to advise somebody who's a mom and, and a wife and so on. I've not 
face that myself. Maybe they, they're not a wife. They're not a mom. They're just nervous about doing it because they don't want to get judged every time they go to the bar or like, I, I just, I talk to a lot of women around the show. A lot of people message me and they're like, I really want to start OnlyFans, but I'm worried about promoting it. I don't want to show my face and I, well, all these, all these things. And I think those are valid, but, but you know, I, I want them to hear from you, someone who's doing it, who's doing it successfully her own way and making money doing it because I think your empowering words are going to uh, guide them into what they need to hear to may maybe start it. Really, that's what I was going for with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. I think the number one thing is you're going to get judged anyway. You get yeah. judged whether you have only fans or whether you're a nun or, or you you know you you get judged anyway. Maybe so you're a if, nun on OnlyFans. <laughs> there's an idea. Um, so that, that's the first thing. Newsflash. You are always going to get judged. You can sit home on the couch and we will judge you. So, um, get over that, I would say, and don't make the decision based on that. And, and I always think the number one thing I think about when I'm considering something is, will I get to the end of my days regretting that I didn't do this? Will I go, damn, why, when I had the chance and the body for it or whatever, did I cower in the corner and let other people tell me what I should or shouldn't do? So uh, those are things that I think are really important. I, my, the business partner that I mentioned earlier, um, she did survive. And one of the amazing things that I learned from her is she's got such a thick skin when it comes to um, criticism and so on. And And I really learned by watching her how to be more like that. And that the fear of what other people thought of me was holding me back from the life that I wanted to live. And so that's something that's really an important lesson to learn. You don't want to let other people uh, dictate what success you have in your life. And by worrying about what they're thinking and saying, that's what you're doing. You're giving all your power to them. Why the heck would you do that? So, um, it is, uh, we need to make this decision for ourselves. I find it empowering to make the decision for yourself and then to fly in the face of convention. I find that very empowering. Uh, there's this great quote that, um, that goes along the lines of, um, um, that conformity is, is really, uh, the, the, the big sort of opposite of success in our society is conformity. It's not failure. And, um, and so don't conform, live your own life. And maybe that involves OnlyFans. Maybe it doesn't, but, um, yeah, not caring, not giving a damn about what anybody thinks is a very freeing revolutionary concept. Jackie Somerville. Holy shit. Wow. What a fucking episode. I seriously want to be you when I grow up. So <laughs> like, like sign me up for everything, like whatever. But, uh, I want to really drill, drill in to the audience where they can find you. So where can they find your book? Where can they find your show? Where can they find everything you're doing in YouTube on social on OnlyFans? Yeah, so I think the best place to go is Instagram, which is Jackie Somerville. It's at Jackie Somerville, exactly as it's, you've got it spelt here on the show. Uh, and there in the link uh, will be my link to my link tree link will be OnlyFans. It'll be my YouTube. It'll be, you know, everything else is there. My website, it's all there. So I think that's the easiest place to go. 
and um, and then they'll also know when I'm going to when the new book is coming out and so on. Um, and they could sign up on the website if they wanted to. It's all just Jackie Somerville. That's JackieSomerville.com. Um, and um, YouTube is JackieSomervilleOfficial.com. But as I say, the easiest thing is to go to Instagram. Uh, and Jackie Somerville, it's OnlyFans forward slash Jackie Somerville is, is my OnlyFans. So it's my own name again. Well, amazing. Uh, it's been an absolute fucking pleasure. So thank you so much for being on the show. I have an idea. I will ask you uh, as soon as we get off here. But thank you so much for, for being on Sex Party with me. You're so welcome, Dustin. That was so much fun. Thank you very much for having me. See you soon. Bye. Huge thank you to my guest, Jackie Somerville. I mean, right? My God. Please make sure you guys go check out everything she is doing. If you got something out of this episode, drop her a comment. She's amazing. She's brilliant. Uh, and if you want to see more guests like Jackie, if you want to see Jackie again, because she will be back, if you want to just show some love, some appreciation, some desire for more sex party, how could you do that? Well, if you're listening on platforms like Apple and Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeart, you could leave a rating. You could leave a review. Those are fine. But the most important thing you can do is subscribe to the show. That way you never miss an episode. Every single Wednesday, new episodes without fail. If you're watching on YouTube, I have a question. Do you like spaghetti with meatballs? Are meatballs a deal breaker? If the spaghetti doesn't have meatballs... Are you still eating the spaghetti? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I love you. I see you. I appreciate you. If you're watching on YouTube, you could leave a comment. You could like the video. But the most important thing you can do, yeah, is subscribe to the channel. New episodes every Wednesday. You guys can always find me in the DMs on Instagram. And I will see you all back here next week. Thanks for listening. The party continues next week. Click subscribe and let's make this a regular thing. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at SexPartyFM. Follow Dustin at Dustin Ribka.